<laughs> hey yo it's your girl dj narc what's going on happy winter solstice yo i'm laughing at these hoes and the ops they pull oh my god but first drink something i'm having coffee and water I've got a little uh, situation as well. So drink something, smoke something. Hello, Rev fam. Welcome back. Mm -mm -mm. Welcome back to the Rev fam meeting. Okay. Where do we start? Oh my God, these hoes. Yo, these hoes be doing a lot. These hoes be doing a lot. I love the 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 one who's like the best friend but like is plotting the whole time. I love that bitch. She's my favorite. She's always the first one to get hip to dude liking somebody and she's always the first one to like throw the pity party. I love the pity party too. That's my favorite part. That's when you know you got that bitch by the neck. Mm mm mm. Oh my god, I'm definitely not talking from personal experience. I'm just speaking in general. Just about life, you know, as one does on a pod. On a podcast. I'm I'm really on one. Yes, I am. Also smoke something if you have it. Because if you haven't lit it yet, I don't know what you're waiting for, but let's light it together. Now here we are. The solstice is upon us. We know that. We have a Saturn-Pluto conjunction in Capricorn coming up. Let's dissect that for a minute, yeah? <coughs> Excuse me. I'm going to just be drinking stuff throughout because I... Yeah. Because the audio, darling, the audio. Okay. Hmm. What does that mean? Saturn-Pluto conjunction in Capricorn. It's really the Capricorn part that's the most scary, right? We have now playing out in front of us in so many different ways at the same time that it's almost too much to bear. The struggle of the North Lunar Node in Cancer and now this insane conjunction coming up across from it. What does it even mean? It's like the moon the gatherer of secrets, the keeper of secrets, the real darling of the sun, right? The sun and the moon have a very peaceful coexistence. In some cultures, they're seen as uh, these, uh, it's an unrequited love affair. They're always chasing each other. We have the moon struggling to maintain a sense of dignity, of rightness, the higher moral ground. I mean, that is, after all, why cancers are so sensitive. It's because they wish everyone was adhering to a more emotionally intelligent way. And we're very far from that as a global culture. So we have cancer 
lunar north, north node demanding a deeper, greater, nuanced understanding of what life is, what resources are, what freedom is, what religion is, what is sacred and what is for sale. And on the other hand, now you have probably uh, the most powerful pull in the other direction that can happen which is the ruler of the sign and the bringer of (laughs) the chaotic dream come together in an energy that wants to dominate, that wants to war, that wants uh, predation, that wants to consume the material at an at a terrifying pace that is after all for all capricorns amazing qualities the thing that really bugs people about them they consume so quickly that they can become very easily opportunistic because when there isn't enough to consume or they don't like what there is to consume without much uh Without much thought, they move along. And that, to a lot of people who are not consumption-based, is terrifying. (laughs) And it makes uh, people not trust them. And so that energy there, of this unabashed consumption, of uh, the ego that comes with the devil card that says, I'm allowed this overconsumption. That energy now has uh, quite a powder keg thrown into it. And it's one that will sway everything and everyone so dangerously in one direction that you may fear that you're going to fall off the roller coaster. I've had my moments, uh, let's say in the past six months here and there, of really having to cope with the terror that comes with the knowledge of what January 2020 uh, will bring. Of course, we hope not. But it has been an exercise in learning and faith because It's one thing to say you believe. Drink something, please. It's quite another in your moments of real weakness to use that um, belief to pick yourself back up, to use that faith Uh, that your faith is so strong that you can use it as a crutch to get back up. And at least for me, personally, the thing that brought me a lot of peace was the idea within Islam that um, one is not allowed to despair 
because to despair implies that you do, do not have faith in the creator. And despair is what was setting upon me as I thought about January and I thought about what was going to happen and what has happened again and again and again in the past when this conjunction happens. And although I can see very clearly how and where and when it would happen again, I can't seem to wrap my mind around the fact that we're about to get into another world war. Even though I've told you before, and I've said it in quite a snide way, that the war is raging and has been raging for at least 20 years already. Hmm. Let's talk about that for a second. And then there are the Afghan papers. Oh me, oh my. So, if you go back and you look at Noam Chomsky's work, you will find that Chomsky documented that in the late 80s, Afghanistan was already in the throes of near starvation conditions. That most of the population lived below the poverty line set by the country itself and far, far below any sort of universal line. That country that was documented in the late 80s as being in such a dire place is the place that the neoconservative movement chose. And now, all of a sudden, this is not conspiracy at all, but fact, after the latest leaks that we've received by men who can only be called heroes, if not superheroes, So a country that was on the brink of starvation a good, you know, 40 years ago was chosen. Now, they will have you believe it was arbitrarily chosen, just, you know, random throw of the dart. No, no. Chosen for a very specific reason. As the target of an all-out massacre in which the object of the game was to destroy everything, subdue everyone, and take all the poppy. So let's do a little background. Let's go pre-Afghan war. As someone who is from the country that borders it, we have a little bit more, uh, we're a little bit more in the know about what goes on over there. Not much. But we did know that in 2000, the Taliban had come out and said that they were no longer going to produce any poppy. And that they had thought about it and they had realized that it was not Islamic. And they couldn't justify it any longer and that the production was going to stop. Now, of course, that decision had global ramifications. There's an entire heroin trade that runs off of the plants that grow in that arid and awful place where nothing grows, actually, except that and pomegranates, oddly enough. Keep in mind that the apple 
in the Garden of Eden was a pomegranate and not an apple. Just everything used to be called apple. Okay, so... In 2000, the Taliban decides that they no longer want to be the global supplier of heroin. Cool. In 2001, we go to war. And here we are almost 20 years later. And now we know from just the stream of documents that have been leaked that the entire thing was a hoax. It was a lie. Nothing had ever happened there and nothing was happening there. We just sent a bunch of innocent, mainly children, over to a group of other completely innocent people who just happened to be a certain color. And we forced these children to murder people, dismember them, rape them, bomb them, murder entire villages, ride 90-year-old women like horses, gang rape children. This is, this is all the stuff that was happening over there. You can look it up. It's, it's all legit. The stories actually that have come out of Afghanistan are some of the truly horrific, even though the Abu Ghraib torture scandal happened in Iraq. And if you think that the same stuff isn't going to come out about Iraq, it essentially has already, but more will come out as well. And what will come out there will be exactly the same thing that's come out here. It was a complete farce. Which is why my personal feeling is that the insurgency in Iraq was so real. Please drink something. There's this narrative that's been floating around since 2004 that the Iraqi insurgency was really just the remnants of the Ba'ath movement and the Ba'ath military, the Ba'ath party military that were loyal to Saddam, who were organizing. But there's a plethora of documentaries that prove otherwise, a couple of them actually really, really good, which show you in great detail, talking to the people on the street, how... The insurgency was really stitched together piece by piece by Iraqis all having personal terrible run-ins with the American military and deciding on their own to spend their own money and arming themselves and then and then happening and, and then and then fighting these people like one-on-one, you know, like showing up in a bar with a rocket launcher knowing that the American soldiers are going to come back and try to embarrass you again kind of thing. But it was story after story after story. And after two and a half hours of watching it, you get the distinct impression that the insurgency in Iraq was very, very legitimate. It was an insurgency of the, like, the, the actual meaning of the word. It was people who were um, kind of instantly oppressed. You know, with the, with the snap of a finger, everything is toppled. And here are these foreigners and they're everywhere and they're locking up everyone and they're flooding the streets with pornography and they're you know they're they're taking uh, again let me quote Seymour Hirsch when he said that the photos that he released uh, released of the Abu Ghraib torture prisons the male prisons he released because he felt like he had an obligation 
drink something, please. You know, to let the world know what was going on over there and what Blackwater was actually doing, what our country, you know, the independent contractors were doing over there. But he also was on the record as saying, and I think I've said this to you before, that if the photos of the female prisons were released, that there would be a world war the next day. Because the entire Muslim world would go up in flames. You know, these are uh, Iraqi female prisons full of torture and rape victims where they're having American soldiers' children in the jail and they're raising them in the jails. Like, it's it's beyond anything you can imagine what was going on over there. Now, why do I bring that up? Because there was something very distinct about the American warring technique, and it started in Vietnam, which was, again, another orchestrated war, a hoax, a complete hoax. And the similarities are uncanny. So it makes me wonder, it makes me think, what happens to a human when you force them to be violent to someone they know has not done anything? So a human has this impulse, right, to be super violent. We all have it. We know it. You push us in the wrong direction just a little bit and bam, it comes out, right? What happens when you take that instinct that is meant to keep you alive and you push that in someone and you install a button there and you keep pushing it and you also give them, you know, this conscience morphine drip So whenever they feel guilty for someone pushing the button and turning them into this animal, they can, you know, they can get a shot of morphine, which is this nationalism, this, this might is right, this we're on, you know, these people are different from us, the othering of people, all of it, all of it becomes this morphine. What happens to people when you install this button, this violence in them, a a way to like tap into their violence, you know? And then you give them this conscience-relieving drug. And then you set them loose with the most sophisticated, the most expensive, the most powerful weaponry ever created. What happens to those, for the most part, young men and women and other, who simply wanted either an education and couldn't pay for it or out of some familial obligation felt the need to carry on a tradition or the most heartbreaking of all really loved their country and wanted to protect it but that's because that's in their nature so you take three groups of people some completely involuntary they just have no other choice Others who are doing it out of a sense of honor, and one would think you would want to respect them the most. And still others who are doing it out of a pure love. You know, whenever people conflate war with soldiers, I'm very quick to stop them. Hold on a second. It's not fair. War is a disgusting thing. And yes, soldiers do go to war, absolutely. 
and soldiers participate in a disgusting thing, but soldiers themselves, no matter how many instances there are of people misbehaving, soldiers themselves, the concept, the ideology of a warrior is nothing but noble. We need warriors. What America did is they took young men and women and others and they turned them into mercenaries. And there is such a big difference. A warrior fights in wartime and builds fences and mends roads and watches people's children in peacetime. A warrior cares as much about the community when there is no war when he has to pick up a shovel, he, she, whomever has to pick up a shovel and plant some trees. They feel just as much honor in that as they do in picking up a gun. That concept of what a warrior means is very far from what we did to entire generations, we're talking about a 20-year fucking hoax of a fucking war. Do you know how many people have fucking died over there? Do you know how many fucking people we've killed over there? In Afghanistan, in Pakistan, do you know how many? Hundreds and hundreds of thousands. And now, just check out your timelines if you don't see it coming. Who do they want you to go after next? Who do they want you to feel the most sorry for? Who's popped up on your timeline everywhere all over again? Syria, right? You don't think it has anything to do with them trying to impeach him? You don't think that the only thing standing between us going to full-out war, boots on the ground, turning our kids into mercenaries once again for a complete hoax of a war... You don't think that the only thing standing between us and that is this reality TV star? You better think again. Mm. No, I know you don't like him. I know you don't like him. Nobody likes him. And you know what? I watch Seth Meyers too. And if I didn't know what I was watching and what grain of salt I needed to take with it, I probably, I probably hate his guts just like you do. But once again, here we are. Back at the question, what the fuck happens in January 2020 with this conjunction? What happens is, if they get rid of him, they're gonna go to full-out war. And I hate being the one that has to say that shit about the Democrats, but I really be bugging out when people don't get how fucking corrupt the Democrats are. The thing that I like about Republicans is that they're honest about it. They never the ones out here trying to sell you some shit that they can't do. Republicans are always really clear. Security, safety, protectionism, lower taxes, business is everything. And if that's in and, and that's what you hear, and that's what they give you, and and they deliver on it, and they stand by that shit. Whenever you have a Republican office, they be doing the craziest shit for the corporations, the craziest shit for the banks. But but here's but here's what's so crazy. So do the Democrats, bro. That's the thing that's so fucking nuts. So do the fucking Democrats, bro. If you go back and actually look at the 2008 collapse, 
what we did under a democratic president is fucking bananas. See, the thing is, if that was a Republican, we would have been like, yeah, okay. Because that's what they run on. They're so honest about their shit. Democrats are the one always trying to sell you a fucking dream. They're the ones who are like, we care about you. We care about your health. No, they don't. No, they don't. Wait, Guantanamo is still open. Wait, the wars are still going on. They've been going on. They've been going on. Your healthcare is still not free. Your college is still not free. I hate to be the one preaching sitting in Scandinavia, but like y'all should expect that shit. That shit should be a given. We're in a really fucked up relationship is what it feels like. But it's like we got these two two dudes to pick between and they both your exes and they both trash. You know what I'm saying? For different reasons, except one got money and the other got money too, but he don't want to tell you he got money. It's so confusing. If you're confused, I'm right there with you. It's so confusing. Like, why do Democrats spin this yarn of, like, being of the people and the hot sauce in the bag and, like, we're going to make a difference and, like, change is here and ah, ah, ah. No, it's not. Nothing happened. Kim Kardashian got more people out of jail than you did. What do you mean? Like, I'm saying, what do you mean? This shit is all a a sham. And I'll tell you what, even the Afghan papers coming out right now, even the Epstein shit, even the fact that Epstein got arrested, who do you think is doing all this? Someone who has enough power at the moment to keep throwing this shit out here because it's like, if you're going to take me down, I'm going to take you down with me. Who sat for eight years on the Epstein indictment and did nothing? Because they were told point blank, Obama administration told them, Epstein is intelligence, you can't touch him. What do you mean? You mean that this, and and then what does it come out after he dies? After, after, I don't know what else to say, after he dies, that's the only thing, that's the only factual way to put it, that motherfucker died. But what happens right after he dies? We find out a bunch of shit that he used to work with Mossad, he used to work with the CIA, he used to work, so, so what are we saying now? Are we saying that these different different intelligence agencies were helping this motherfucker set people up with little kids so they could blackmail them later? I think so. Yeah, I think that's what we're saying. Who sat on that for two terms? (laughs) Whose husband rode on that guy's plane or was on his plane 26 times? You tell me. Holmes, you tell me. Like, there is corruption and predation and perversion. And I think that he's guilty of all of that. But the extent, the bloodlust that exists on the left is so terrifying because it's so well masked. You know Biden's the one who pushed through that bill that put all those black men in jail in the 90s. You know what the fucking Clintons did. You know what Kamala Harris did. You know what the Democrats have been doing. They've been systematically lying to us and then being the ones that make the laws that lock people up. It's fucking bananas how we don't see it. It's fucking bananas to me. But now, 
I mean, there's just no veil left after the Epstein shit comes out, after the Afghan papers come out. So you telling me that this hoax that started in 2000, whatever, for eight years, two terms under Obama, he knew that the fucking war was a hoax and he was drone bombing, double tap drone bombing Geneva Convention, fucking violating Killing hundreds and thousands of fucking people in Afghanistan and Pakistan every fucking year. He just kept doing that? So we could keep buying drones? So we could keep this economy going that was only benefiting 2%? Everyone's like, oh, how'd the 1% get so rich? War! Excuse me. (laughs) War. What do you mean, how? Smoke something. I'm so stressed by this conversation, I can't. It was all being funneled right out of your fucking 30% out of your fucking paycheck that you fucking work for and right into their fucking pockets. (coughs) And again, (coughs) excuse me. And again, the Democrats are going to tell you, the the Republicans are going to tell you straight up. We're going to take your money. We don't give a fuck about you. We only give a fuck about white people and rich people. Boom, bye. We don't like you. Get out of here. How come we get treated the exact same way, but we like it better when somebody kisses us before they fuck us up? Is that is that it? We just we just need someone to kiss us first. Is that what it is? So that's the Saturn Pluto conjunction. We are ironically the people trying to tilt back this tide towards this Capricorn axis, people like Kanye, people like Trump, maybe even people like me. We have something in common. We're very misunderstood and it's easy to misconstrue what we're doing or what we're trying to do. But there is a shift and it's very obvious if you have the eyes to see and none of us like it. Gemini are not dealing well with what we see happening because we are are at our core extremely innocent beings and we don't like the level of just mm, amorality that is emerging from this coming conjunction the way people are behaving the alliances that are being made the plans that are being hatched it's (laughs) It's a terrifying thing. And Gemini being the live current that we are. The extreme introverts that we secretly can be. We feel it. And we also feel a sense of obligation, I think. To pull this thing the other way. There is a tug of war going on, absolutely. The Saturn-Pluto conjunction is a really hard tug in the wrong direction. But we will have Venus come and stay in Gemini for quite a while. And we will feel the pull back towards innocence. And then we will have the North Node move into Gemini. And that will be glorious. Drink something, please. But until then, 
how do we deal with the despair? I mean, it's easy to say, well, as a Muslim, I'm not allowed to despair, so I'm not going to. Yeah, it is for me because I was raised so strictly with the religion, so it is a switch for me. If I'm not allowed to do it, I'm not going to do it. Especially if I remember I'm not allowed to do it. But what's behind that? What's that based on? It's based on a very simple understanding. If something or someone is capable of creating something as perfect as this thing that we are now experiencing, then it can safely be assumed that this perfect being that created this perfect simulation, this perfect existence, this perfect experience, this perfect learning tool, would also be perfectly aware of what is happening and how to manage it. And so it says in the Quran that you are a grain of sand and that there is a safety in that humility and that there is a nobility in being a grain of sand in a desert. And I agree. When one sees oneself as that grain of sand somewhere in the Sahara staring up at the stars that seem to decide our fate day by day, hour by hour. A clock letting us know at all times what is happening and what is to come. When you feel yourself that grain of sand, when you feel yourself packed tightly against the other however many billions that we are, there is a calm and a safety in it. There is a reassurance. Of course, war will come, or some version of it, depending on how much of it we can pray away. And I'm serious about that. And of course, peace will come. And of course, somewhere in the middle, new understandings of what it is to be human will come. Love in a time of war is a funny thing. I was reading somewhere about a concept called trench art. When the Germans were stuck on the Western Front, a lot of them would make art as they waited in the trenches. And for some reason when I read it and the concept creeped into my mind slowly like when your socks get wet when you step on a wet spot somewhere. I put the magazine down and I cried. Because it occurred to me how intensely beautiful it is to be human. That even in the most dire of circumstances, we cannot help but pay homage to the divine. All Quiet on the Western Front is one of my favorite books, although I can't explain to you why. Every time I read it, all I feel is a sense of being completely disassociated, shell-shocked by war unaware of where you are and what you feel. It's like being a fucking Gemini. He comes back from war, but 
it's the haunt of it that he carries, that he writes about, that gets into your soul. I feel like I read it too young, you know? I used a quote from it in my yearbook. The one where he says their eyes were pools of rain. And he's just talking about all the kids on the front. Just dying. Turning into one thing with the mud and the rain and the trenches and the guns and the blood. And he comes home and he has these experiences where he's walking around and he knows he's home. But he can't. (laughs) He can't stop being in the trench. And so something that is so traumatic that leaves such an indelible mark to be in that situation and to create art (laughs) I mean we're fantastic right I bet God's up there looking you know looking at everybody going see see I knew what I was doing see 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 I knew they weren't like idiot monkeys I told you look at them look at them Even at their worst, they are their best. Again, a very Gemini thing. But we are, after all, the humans of the Zodiac. The anima and the animus intertwined, integrated, the shadow side. And your waking life, holding hands, making decisions together. And now we are in the trenches and our eyes are pools of rain. And if you don't think you're shell-shocked by 20 years of war, I got news for you. How can you expect a country that keeps putting guns in the hands of children and marching them off across the ocean and forcing them to kill other children. How can you expect that country to stop killing each other at home? It's the most bizarre disconnect I've ever seen. How culturally do we dance around the fact every moment of every day where there is one more school shooting? How do we deftly dance around it on every fucking news channel? Why has there never been a single philosopher on any fucking news channel that are running 24 hours a day? They need content. Who has said, does no one see the irony in this? You keep forcing us to go kill people with guns and then you get mad when we kill people at home with guns. And the worst part is, everyone over there knew that there was no reason for them to be over there. That's why they all like Bernie so much. Because nobody knows better than the kids over there that they shouldn't be over there. 
They're the ones who have to take direction every day. You know, you know when someone tells you what to do and they don't know what they're doing, that you could tell that they don't know what they're doing and you're just looking at them like, no, (laughs) I'm not doing that. You don't even seem to know what you're doing. Like, absolutely not. That's what's going on over there, but for 20 years. And like, also, you know, murder. (laughs) Christ almighty. Like, what the hell? So there's that. So here we are in the trenches. Welcome. Our eyes are pools of rain. And I would recommend that you read the book and maybe you guys in Rev Fan Book Club. Shout, shout out Rev Fan Book Club. I love you. I got your text and I'm praying for you. I guess I guess you guys might want to read it. I don't know. You know, read it at your own risk. Books affect me a lot. So... I don't know why I keep reading that one, too. I've read it at really pivotal moments in my life. I was away at college, and I hated it so bad that I took a bus home for a weekend and didn't tell anybody except my best friend. And I read it on the bus back. And it was the weirdest thing to read when I was coming back to New York to have a fun weekend, because I didn't end up doing anything that weekend. I just stayed in the whole time reading the book. There is such a palpable sadness and such a nuanced understanding of what it means to have your humanity stripped away day by day by all these sensory overloads, you know, the bombs and the bullets and the rain and the bodies and the screams and the... And he's just telling you all of it without really wanting you to feel sorry for him. He just wants to get it out he wants someone to know that it happened you know when death happens on such a mass scale there is a tendency to forget there is a tendency to brush it away 12 million russians died during world war Two. 12 million russians died fighting the fucking nazis they saved the fucking world. But when we hear a number that big, like 74 million Native Americans dying so the Europeans could have this continent, or that continent, or wherever, or the, the continent known as North America, darling. Well, North America, South America, Canada, all of it, huh? The whole hemisphere, fuck. When you hear numbers like that, it just goes right over your head. Oh, what's 12 million? I guess it's kind of like 13 million. What's 13 million? I got no idea. The, 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 the murder, you know? We don't... We can't comprehend it anymore. And I think that book is a way of saying, hey, those 12 million people that died or those 74 million people that died, they also were poets in those trenches. They also thought their eyes were pools of rain. They also had souls and ambitions and feelings and were in love with people and liked clean ironed clothes they also had no idea 
why they were fighting because essentially there is never a need to really fight. Not unless someone is truly a threat, but like that war and like this one and the ones that will come, we know in the 21st century that there is no real reason to war. And if there is a reason to war, it's probably only with one country and we're never going to war with them. So, that brings me back again to love in the time of, uh, <laughs> love in the time of war. We got 15 minutes left. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Mm -mm -mm. Yes, love in the time of war. How about you smoke something? So, as you know, and everybody knows, there are different kinds of love. There's the love <coughs> you nurture. <coughs> There's the love that hits like a spark. There's a love that goes up in flames and turns to ash. There's a love that builds over time and is steady like a rock. And then there is a love that hits you like a wave and it consumes you. And it doesn't really care what boat you were in. You get knocked the fuck out of that boat. And all the way deep into the ocean. And somewhere along that tumultuous ride, you know you're going to drown. And even though your hands are kind of reaching out for whoever it was on that boat going, Hey, wait, let me explain. You're already gone. You know it, they know it, everybody knows it. For some reason in my life, the only people who've ever been able to do that to me are Gemini's. There is something uniquely attractive about a Gemini man. I think it's the ability to be the wave of an ocean and the lava of a volcano at the same time. The hot and cold of it. The thing that drives everyone else crazy. Oh, sometimes he seems like he likes me, sometimes he doesn't. That's just because you're not rolling your eyes at him and telling him to shut the fuck up when he acts like he doesn't. Trust me, he'll love it. And maybe it's my unique ability to be able to wrangle them. Or maybe it's because I truly do find them fascinating. They transcend gender for me. Gemini men are the only men that I feel, as far as men go, that are ever really satisfying because they're half women. So, I was, as I mentioned in the last podcast or whenever that was, when I talked to you last by myself, that I was on a boat. And I thought I was going somewhere. <laughs> and then I got hit by a wave, a big one. And it knocked me right off that boat. And right into something so magical and so deep and yet so playful and reckless <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
And of course, that wave was a Gemini, is a Gemini, will be a Gemini. And of course, when so much is beginning to fall apart and the stars are telling us there isn't that much time. It seems like perhaps, mashallah, the luckiest thing in the world. To love in spite of yourself. To love and be attracted so deeply to the core of someone that even though you know that the world may be quickly coming to an end, you can't help but daydream anyway. The romance factor is very high around death and destruction and despair and war and all of the things that make us remember that we're not here very long. There's something about being reminded of your mortality that makes everyone a romantic. I myself have often prided my I've prided myself on the ability to separate my feelings. But now it feels like the game is different. If we are to walk through this 2020 portal, I have a feeling that it has to be in complete authenticity. And for me, that means relinquishing control. And as a Cancer rising, I don't think I could give that control over to someone who wasn't quite as massive as an ocean. And so that is what I wish for you as we walk through this door. And I'll be back again next week on my own to talk about it more. But what I want for you is to find your ocean. Find whatever that thing, that person, that endeavor, that pursuit, that cause is that knocks you out of what you know into something that you really, really need. Something that makes you look at impending doom and laugh anyway. And maybe, just maybe, that's the secret. Maybe that's the fail-safe switch. Maybe that's the only way out. Maybe love is the answer because when everything begins to fall, and you dance in the rubble of it all. Perhaps it is your acceptance of love as the only real thing 
Perhaps it is the acceptance of the demise of the material that is the door to transcendence. Perhaps instead of January 2020 being something to be afraid of, it should be viewed as the ultimate opportunity to be the exact opposite. of what the world seems to want. Now it's kind of our time, you know. We really have to be careful. Don't just jump on bandwagons, be careful. There are a lot of people out here that want you to care about things and I understand that, but don't be a pawn. Realize that every political party, every interest group, every, everyone who wants to sway the way you think is on your social media, they're all over every account that you follow, they're everywhere. Because the name of the game is straight up mind control and they're using everything to do it. And I don't mean Manchurian candidate mind control, I just mean that we're highly suggestible and we spend a lot of time on our phones. Please drink something. So although this person or that person posted something and you absolutely agree and oh my god is that really going on chill ease up we're being manipulated to a very 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 high degree it's super sophisticated not even I really understand it but I'll tell you what I can fucking feel it and I bet you can too Hmm. Let's go into our high priestess mode, no? Let's watch January from our throne, from behind the binary black and white. Let's watch it unfold, sticking deeply behind the moon to our Cancerian nature. We are the protective mother. Yes? You know I love you, right? Huntington Beach, I'm so sorry. Those refunds have gone out. It's probably going to take a few days to process them. Revolution rings, you know we're on it. Carolina is the best. If you need anything in terms of the rings, please reach out to her. Revolution rings, Carolina at gmail.com. The London satsang is going to be lit in March and don't complain later when you're not up for what's going on or you didn't know. I'm telling you now, you have months and months to plan. Other than that, I just want to say thank you. I had a little bit of a health scare. I thought I had appendicitis. Turned out to be nothing. Thank you very much for asking. Thank you for being concerned, but I did have to go get a CAT scan. And I guess it's a good thing I got the CAT scan because now I have this 3D imaging of my body and turns out, mashallah, that I'm great. But for a moment there, I didn't know what was going on and your prayers and your well wishes, I am absolutely certain, were the deciding factor in me getting a clean bill of health. And for that, I am grateful in a way that I will never be able to articulate. But please just know 
then if you ever see me somewhere, or if you ever DM me, or if you ever text me, or if you ever call me, or if you ever run into me, just know that I love you. And you're never bothering me. And we are family. Okay? And if you're really going through and you're already feeling all these energies, remember what I said. Despair implies a lack of faith in the divine. And if you lack faith in the divine, you lack faith in the drop of the divine which resides within you. You can use your belief in yourself to bolster your belief in God, and you can use your belief in God to bolster your belief in yourself. It works both ways. So, pray on it. And I'll pray for you too, and I'll pray for all of us, and let's all of us pray for all of us. And let's hope that all 2020 ends up being is an incredibly beautiful lesson in how to stand in your integrity and really know your principles. Right? All right. Well, that's really it. What else can I say? (laughs) Did you miss me? I love you guys. I'll see you soon. It's your girl, DJ Nart.